Welcome to another episode of the X-Experts Divorce Etc. podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. And keep in mind, you can get X-Experts in your inbox by signing up for our newsletter, get the latest news and find out all about our events before anyone else, plus access special discounts and prices. Head to xexperts.com to subscribe. So welcome to this episode of X-Experts Podcast. And today, I'm really excited to introduce Jill Sadafsky, the law office of Jill Sadafsky, who I can personally vouch for as my real estate attorney. Um, and she's here today to talk to us about real estate when it comes to divorce. A lot of it is still relevant, regardless of whether or not someone's married or even if they're single. But this is a really important topic and a very important subject matter for anyone who is going through divorce to kind of know where you stand with where you live and what your options are. So Jill, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Don't let the ominousness of the fact that the clouds just rolled over and it got real dark on my end uh, be a precursor to the conversation. (laughs) Welcome, Jill. Thank you. Um, so let's just start asking you questions. I mean, you live in a house with your family. Now divorce is presented to you in one form or another. What are some of the most important things you should be thinking about in terms of the house? Um, as or apartment. As, right, so or apartment, your right. home, your home, right. whatever that looks like, as far as now I'm going through a divorce. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important just to be honest with yourself about your circumstances um, and whether or not it's going to be amicable, whether or not it's going to get contentious, um, you know, whether or not you guys are on the same page um, and, you know, what other items you're going to have to think about in terms of separating. Um, if If you're in an amicable situation and the parties are on the same page, um, then you don't have to worry about getting two separate attorneys to represent you. You know, your interests are aligned. Um, but if it's going to be contentious or if you know from the get-go that it's going to be problematic in some shape or form, um, you know, you might want to consider getting another attorney and so that you're each represented by somebody else. Um, especially when you're selling property, it's really difficult to do with two attorneys. Like that's obviously not uh, that's not the goal and that's not the hope. Um, but I've had circumstances where I've represented parties who are getting divorced and I've had, um, I've had circumstances that run the gamut from, you know, really amicable one. It was just me representing both of them. And at the end of the day, they just told me how they wanted the fund separated and it was easy peasy. And then I've had circumstances where I've had one spouse or the other contact me and ask me to do something behind the other's back or, you know, want something included in the contract that protects them over the other. And I just have to have a very real conversation with them and let them know, you know, that I represent both of them and I can't legally put one above the other, but that if that's a real concern for them, um, then they need to seek other representation or have a conversation with their soon to be ex, um, you know, about what their expectations are so that we can make sure that the contract addresses that. So I just want to make it clear for anyone listening, like Jill's not talking about your divorce lawyers and needing two lawyers for representation for your actual divorce. She's talking about specifically, forget your divorce lawyers. You both have your own lawyers for that. But then when it comes to the sale of your property, if that's where it goes, 
She's talking about you may in fact each need individual representation for the sale right. of the property. Right, and also by the way, a lot of times people come to me before their divorce attorney. So I, I get people when they're contemplating divorce and they're thinking about how they're going to parse out their assets. Um, and, you know, sometimes I get people who are, have just finished the process. And so there's like a court order that's going to dictate how things need to get delegated. And, you know, and, and that's actually fine because at that point you don't need two separate real estate attorneys because I have in writing what my, what my role is, what my steps are, what my marching orders are. And I just follow those. Um, but what I'm specifically talking about is when you don't necessarily have that yet and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do next. Um, and, you know, you might not be in agreement, um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're really just trying to get the property sold so that the parties can move on with their lives or move on to the next things that they need to, you know, distribute um, and just, you know, get the property portion out of the way. So are you ever brought in, though, to the negotiation process? So if they've hired a mediator, why wouldn't they just bring you into that so that you're representing them as far as, you know, getting rid of the home right um, and do it all at once it almost sounds like you're a mediator just for the sale of your home yeah. but do you go into the whole negotiation process wouldn't that be more efficient well i don't come in when with what you're talking about with mediation you know with that step of it but i've definitely had instances where clients are getting divorced and the divorce attorney reaches out to me and i have lots of conversations with the divorce attorney um, but you have to remember, a lot of times when it gets to that contentious point, they're not ready to sell yet because they're still having so many battles internally that they right. haven't put it on the market. So they're not ready for me. So unless we're talking about a perfect situation in which people had decided to sell a property and then decided to go through a divorce. So now they've already named me and they know that I'm going to be a part of that process. Most times in those contentious issues, I'm not coming in until after a court has decided or there's just some sort of an agreement that the parties have come to with the divorce attorney themselves about how to proceed, right? So I definitely help out with the divorce attorney. They'll call me and we'll talk about it. And sometimes, you know, there's two divorce attorneys because things do get contentious and I'll be on a call with all of them doing a conference call, trying to figure it out um, so that my next steps are really clear once it actually is ready to come to me. Does client privilege apply to you then in this case? So if one party went to consult with you and then in the end, you can't represent both of them because it's contentious, the other party then, you know, you're, you're obligated to the first party that's come to meet with you, you know, like going well, through a divorce. Right. And that's a really tricky question because quite frankly, um, thank goodness, I've never really had to deal with it because usually the parties will come to me together um, and say, we are getting divorced and I've not had a situation where they've come to me and wanted me to represent them together. And then it's, you know, it's, it's gotten to a point where they've separated and someone has gotten another counsel. But I'll tell you that for the most part, um, I'm not privy to so much personal information in those instances that it would, it would affect matter. the party that I'm not representing anymore. However, if that ever happened, quite frankly, I would simply recuse myself from the transaction and just say, look, at this point, when you guys came to me versus where you are now, the, the, the situation is very different. 
Um, and I think it's in both of your best interests if you get two other attorneys to represent you in this sale. Um, so that's, that's actually really good advice and kind of a red flag to look out for if you're in this situation because you don't want to have a conflict of interest. So yeah. they want an attorney like you who will do right. the right thing and kind of step away from the situation. So that's just kind of a good um, tool and advice for, for someone to-, so to I want to know like for now for anyone who already either is getting divorced or is finishing finalizing their divorce or it's over and now they're on their own mm -hmm. and now they actually want to move forward with securing a new home for themselves and they come to you because they need some guidance on that kind of thing. I mean, I think a lot of times and in a lot of places, like, you know, there's a lot of crossover in some ways between like the lawyer and even and a real estate agent. And so what, what would be kind of like some of the most important first steps for someone to really think about if they want to try to move forward with buying a house or an apartment of their own? Well, first of all, I have to acknowledge, it's really funny because um, my clients, like my job encompasses the best of the real estate legal aspect and also being a counselor, right? <laughs> because, because people can't differentiate when they're really up in their feels and they're, they've got so much going on emotionally, it's really hard for them to see the forest through the trees. And so they need somebody that they can put their emotions on and that they can, you know, kind of talk to about those things. Um, you know, but I love that part of the job, but I will say, you know, I mean, we're talking specific to New York City, by the way, right, to New York law. But I will say that what happens is my client will say to me, look, um, usually when they're selling, uh, either I'm going to take some time and rent and look at things and kind of reevaluate, or I'm, I'm selling and I'm using the proceeds from the sale to purchase. So if they're taking time to reevaluate, uh, I typically won't hear from them until they're, they've already kind of got their feet under them and they're ready to, to move on to the next steps, right? right. But if they, if they have a decision at the beginning that they want to do both, then what they'll say to me is someone will contact me separately and say, you know, even though me and my spouse are separating or divorcing and we're selling, um, I would like to talk to you about my purchase now. That's happened before. Right. And, and, and they'll say, you know, Maybe we're using an agent or my, my partner picked the agent for the sale. And I don't want to mix that energy with the okay. new process. So I need a referral from you or what do you recommend? And quite frankly, the questions with, with respect to divorce, with going and finding another property are going to be the same questions that I get for the most part when there's no divorce and it's just a first time home buyer or somebody who's trying to navigate the circumstances for the first time in terms of, do I need my own agent? And, um, you know, is this going to be something that they're going to be made aware of? You know, can this be private? How do you know, do you have to tell them that I'm doing this? Which by the way, the answer is of course, no. Even if I'm representing two people in a sale, you're your own individual person on a purchase and it's a completely separate transaction. So as long as the funds were legally obtained and I'm working within the confines of the money from that sale and whatever additional steps you want to take financially, that has nothing to do with that prior transaction. So um, that's completely separate. If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. 
It's free and includes tips from real life experts who've been through it, telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q and A's with our experts. Plus you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. But yeah, I mean, it's really just, you want to put together a good team, whether you're broker or your attorney, you want to find someone you're comfortable with, someone that meshes with you personality wise. You know, I can be, um, I can be a smart ass. I can also be a bulldog. You know, it's like, I have certain aspects of my personality that people are either going to, um, mesh well with or be turned off from. And I think that's why it's important to talk to a few different attorneys and get a really good sense. Talk to people who have been through it before. Who do they recommend? Who have they used? Reach out, have those conversations and have a very frank, transparent conversation. I, I always lead with full transparency. I always talk about money first. Uh, because I found that no matter what I have to say, that's really the question that people want to start with. Right. Um, and just be really open to the conversation and, and also pay attention to how you feel, right? As, as the client, when you talk to somebody, if you don't get a good vibe, don't dismiss your instincts. There's a reason you have them. Yes, right? but I will say, and, and we always talk about the importance of making sure that you're kind of like interviewing the experts that you're going to work with as part of your team. I will say though, um, with <laughs> coming from my own personal experience with Jill, first of all, the money's totally worth it. And secondly, I do think that with anything in life, I mean, if you have a meeting with someone and you like click and mesh immediately, like we did, like you don't have to go out and meet three other people. I mean, Agreed. so use your, yes, trust your gut. If you don't feel a good vibe, then it is important to go and talk to some other people, but don't feel like there's a specific, you have to meet with this number of people in order to find, you know, your, your people. Yeah. Uh, I'd also say, by the way, be really open to what these experts that you're speaking to are saying to you, because there's a reason that they're known in their field for what they do. There's a reason you are coming to them from the beginning, right? So for example, when you're dealing with somebody um, who is, uh, when, when I'm dealing with clients that are not married yet and that are looking to buy a property together because it's happening so much these days, whether you're roommates or uh, you are in a relationship, um, there's, you have to protect your, your interests because right. no matter what we know now, we don't know what three years later that relationship's going to look like. That's right. right. <laughs> That's why you guys are here. So, you know, because these are things, nobody goes into any kind of relationship, whether friendship or, or otherwise, uh, with an expectation that that relationship is going to end, right? But they right. do and sometimes, and you have to be prepared for that. And I've, I've had clients contact me who are dating, who have asked me about how to protect their interests. And one, one, one couple in particular, uh, one of the parties was super adamant uh, and anxious about wanting to protect uh, his interests in the property should the relationship go south. And I said, you know, we've been talking for five minutes and this is the biggest thing that you have to say right now. Are you sure you wanna purchase together? Because sometimes you go into a process- That's a sign. That you do, yeah, it's a big yeah. sign. Yeah. And sometimes, and I say, if you don't think that you're going to navigate the actual process of purchasing together well, I mean, that's the easiest part of the whole thing. I want to reevaluate now. Yeah. So, well, yeah. 
That's what I was going to also ask is, is associated with this when you're going through a divorce and you're learning all these things on either side, the man about the woman, the woman about the man, the money, the whatever. I mean, the first thing that will come to my mind as far as your property is making sure your name is on the deed of that house or that apartment. Like what are some red flags or things that people should be checking um, as far as their home and ownership and stuff like that is they're kind of sorting through their financial and asset situation. Yeah. Um, you know, what should they be looking out for? So when you're purchasing a property together, depending on what kind of property it is, right? If you, if you're in New York city and you buy a co-op, you're looking at a stock and lease. It's not actual ownership. It's shares of a corporation. And when you're buying a house or a condo, you're looking at an actual deed. The problem is that sometimes when you're purchasing, you can't both go into it equally, right? Someone's got more money they're coming to the table with. Um, and sometimes when you're buying, you need a guarantor or you need um, the money is going to come from maybe a gift from your parents or something like that. And so there's different ways you can take ownership to property. There's three ways. One, if you're married, you're taking ownership as tenants by the entirety. Um, and let me also just be clear in saying all these things that uh, although I, I very much know what I'm talking about and I would, I would obviously want to rely on what I'm saying, um, you know, until you speak to an attorney about your own specific circumstances, you can't take what I'm saying as gospel because every circumstance is unique, which is what I love about my job. Every day is different and every piece of information is unique dependent. So, you know, um, just take it with a grain of salt for what it is as maybe a starting point, but certainly seek your own legal counsel for that, right? Um, but tenants by the entirety is when you're married, okay? And that's just, you know, they use that instead of saying husband and wife, wife and wife, husband and husband, they don't, they don't, they don't uh, do that anymore. Now it's tenants by the entirety. Um, then there's joint tenants with right of survivorship, which actually was created um, to give the same protection to same-sex couples that heterosexual couples had because they couldn't be called married because they weren't legally married. Then you've got tenants in common. Tenants in common just means that, uh, God forbid one of the, the partners passes, uh, it goes through their will, however they designated whom or de delineated who would be their next of kin, right? Whereas with joint tenants, by operation of law, you both own 100% in like individually, so that if something happened to one of you, you don't have to go through probate court, you don't have to go through all that rigmarole, you can just automatically, it would pass to you by operation of law. So there's three different ways to own. And what I would say is that, um, and this is a really good test for couples that are not already married. How do you wanna take ownership? Do you wanna go in, even though you're not going in 50-50, that you both own 50-50? If something happens to one of you, is it supposed to go to the other? Is that what the plan is? Or you know, if you're not married, do you want it to go to someone in your family, right? Like a brother or sister or friend or, you know, parent or whatever, if something were to happen in that relationship. And so it's a really good idea. Uh, and I recommend it as soon as I always ask my clients what their relationship is, um, as soon as we start talking. Because if you are not legally married, you want a side agreement, we want to talk about that. We want to have all those really uncomfortable conversations now. And we want to lay it out crystal clear. So that if the, the relationship goes south, you all know already what the what the plan is. Are you going to allow someone to live there and pay you rent? Are you going to force a sale because you can't agree to that? Who's going to cover the maintenance costs? Who's going to cover the mortgage? Who's going to cover the insurance to handle all of those things? 
when you're happy and you're excited and you're in love, it's a lot easier to make those decisions than when you're not. Right. We've spoken to a lawyer about prenuptial and postnuptial agreements. So mm -hmm. you get married and then once you're married, if you, you then decide to get a house, and like you said, so I put in 40%, he puts in 60, yep. then we're agreeing, even though we're married, that if anything should happen, right. he gets his percent and I get my percent of whatever, you know, we end up with and netting with. But my question really was like, for example, can if you're both on the deed of the house, can she or he sneakily take your name off of it? No, okay. no. Okay, so sorry about that. Why. So yeah, so basically when your names are both on it, you, I mean, you can't do anything without the other's approval, even Good. if it's just 1% ownership, which Good. a lot of times people will do, they'll, they'll get 1% and the other person 99 because the one with 1% is actually giving more money, but isn't gonna be you know, an active owner. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't do anything without that. And I'll also say, um, just to briefly touch on mortgage uh, stuff, um, that it's really important to know that if you are on a deed and that is how you got your mortgage and you want to change the deed, you have to get the bank's approval or it will accelerate that clause in the mortgage that makes the mortgage all come due immediately. Right. And obviously like a bank's not going to really know that unless they're searching or you're like late on payments, but you want to be really transparent with them. So if you have, for example, say I buy a property and it's just me and I want to add someone to the deed, I can do that all day long. That's not going to change. If I have a mortgage and my name's on a deed, I can do that all the time. Now, when it comes time to have two people on a deed and now they're divorcing uh, and they want to remove someone's name because they don't want to be responsible anymore, unless you refinance or pay off that mortgage and sell it, you can't just take your name off if it's on the bank documents. It has to be okay, refinanced. Good. Yeah. Good. That's good to know because, you know, you become be very afraid. suspect of everything, right. even if it's amicable, you might wonder. And so yeah. it's kind of nice to know that that's really important the things you have to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. And there, make sure your name is on it when you do buy it. That's right. That's right. Don't, don't, take, don't take someone's word, by the way, that they're doing it for this reason now and that we'll change it later. Because number one, that happens a lot, by the way, and there's reasons for it, right? Sometimes it happens because um, uh, you're buying in a co-op in New York City and co-ops don't like to see that um, that you have another property if you haven't sold it yet, because they might think that you're buying this as a pied-a-terre and they don't want that. So they might say, look, you own this just in your name, even though we're together. Um, so let's just keep you off of it. We'll say that you might be, uh, you know, an occupant, but I'll be the one who buys it and we'll change it later. Yeah. The problem with that is financial, by the way, it's a, it's, it's, you have to pay a co-op attorney. You have to change the stock and lease. You have to alter the transfer tax documents at a later date. There's a lot of costs that are incurred with that on top of the other ramifications. So that's, you would obviously want to seek legal guidance on that, but absolutely, if, if the goal is for both of you to be named on paper and you want to make sure that someone can't take that property out from under you, you both need to be named on the deed or the stock and lease. Right. Great. Um, there's so much more to dive in on all of this, but we 
definitely need to wrap it up. But Jill, this is such amazing information and thank you so much for bringing it to the X-Experts community because it really is such like a crucial topic for people to be able to know and understand you know, what their options are, what their um, rights are with these kinds of things. If someone wants to reach out to you directly uh, and speak to you, what are the best ways for them to find you? Um, well, they can find me at sadaskylaw.com. And uh, you can just remember it's soda F like Frank Sky is how you can spell my name. Um, and you can certainly email me, uh, jill at sadaskylaw.com or um, my cell, which is the new way to reach me regardless all the time, 646-872-0553. Okay, we're gonna have all of that information on our site as well. So we were definitely gonna schedule another time to have you come back and dig even deeper. Thank you so fun. much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been lovely. Thank you. We'll see you next time. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all who would benefit from what we've talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media, at X-Experts, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find so much more, including articles and even the podcast transcripts on our website at www.exexperts.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter now. When you get X-Experts in your inbox, you're the first to hear about all of our happenings at events, plus access special discounts and prices. Thanks for listening.